Normally at this stage in our Sunday morning meetings we would have intercessory prayer for the nation, for our Queen, uh, interceding for uh, our government and so on, and the work of God in the land. And the reason we're not going to do that at this stage this morning is we're going to look at why we do that. Now I know we've covered that before, but on this uh, Platinum Jubilee weekend, it's so important to remind ourselves, and also, not just why we do it, but the fact and the truth that we don't have an option unless we want to be disobedient to God's word. And it's so important, as we've just read in our reading, First Timothy chapter 2, I exhort therefore, first of all, Paul says to Timothy, and Paul was somebody who was intimately acquainted with royalty because, as I've mentioned, I think last week, Paul wrote to the Romans, perhaps the most important letter of all, along with maybe Ephesians, uh, scholars will say, uh, <clears throat> about uh, really doctrine and stuff like that. And the Romans were not just a bunch of ordinary people. The church in Rome was made up and met in the Britannicum uh, Palatium, uh, which was the, the palace of the Britons. And that's where British, <coughs> excuse me, royalty of the time, to be specific, the Silurian kings, that's where they met. And they were ancestors to our present queen and royal house, okay? And they were... Uh, also descended from uh, David, it's believed, um, and, and, and so on. So anyway, uh, they, they certainly had a, a, an ancestor that goes way back, and they are the, the ancestors of our royal house. Now, and we were looking at that yesterday in the, the meeting I was at, the origins of the British throne. so important that we study these things out. It's not just, oh, well, you know, we have this view that the kings and queens that exist today are there because somehow they were outsmarted their enemies, they were more powerful than their enemies, and there was a lot of skullduggery went on, and we know that, and, and you had to be tough to, to be a king or a queen back in the day, we know that, it's always been the same, but uh, what we have to understand is there is a common ancestry to all European monarchs, and that our present-day British royal house is the most illustrious of them all, because as we spoke about their descent from um, the Davidic uh, dynasty. Now, so Paul was aware of that, and Paul, it's believed, was his, he was related um, by marriage, not his marriage, but his brother's marriage, into the British royal family at, of the time. And so when he says, I exhort therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, and so on, be made for kings, he wasn't just saying, that's a great idea. That's a wonderful thing. Why don't we just do that? He said it by the Spirit of God, and it is Holy Scripture. And with an intimate knowledge of kings, and indeed emperors, because, as I've said to you before, that British royal family, at the time, there were weddings or marriages, sorry, between them, the princesses, and Roman aristocracy. 
So Paul wasn't writing about something as a pleb, okay? Somebody that, oh, well, that would be a good idea. Or trying to suck him in with, um, you know, royalty. Oh, we're praying for you, <laughs> type thing. No, he understood something, and that's why we pray, because Paul said to Timothy, this is why we need to pray for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour. So if we want a peaceable life, if we want godliness, if we want righteousness, if we want godly order in the land, Paul says the biblical way to do that is to pray for kings and those in authority. And that lines up with other scriptures. Okay? Um, and so who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? That's, God's, that, that's God telling us that praying for kings is a means toward creating a revival atmosphere and culture in the land. And then he says, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And that takes care of all the other religions out there that, that say they are the way to heaven. Amen? So in other words, we want a Christian nation, we want peace, we want justice, we want righteousness, and we want revival, then we need to pray for our leaders. Okay, and again, it's not a suggestion. It's not, this is a good idea. God is not into ideas. Okay, God's, God is truth. His word is truth. And his word is law to us. Okay, and to disobey God's word is to disobey God. And to disobey God is rebellion. And that's really the problem that I have encountered over the years. A lot of times, a lot of uh, congregations I've preached to over the years uh, thankfully have been people who accepted this message because they were that way inclined. And most Christians, I would say most believers, uh, understand this and embrace it and, and, and are supporters of law and order and righteous government and, you could say, of our British royalty, if we're talking about in Britain. Just, you know, and American believers that I know, um, they are supportive of our, our royalty and... Uh, and supportive of their own presidency, and we would support the, the, the American president, wouldn't we? Because we're Christians, we support law and order, okay? And we support the powers that be that God has ordained. Now, saying all that, saying all of that, we live in a tension, particularly, I think, here in Scotland, more than anywhere else. We, there's a tension that we live in as Christians, and that's because we've got covenanting forefathers. Okay? And a lot of people misunderstand the covenanters and the covenanting times because they see it as a clash between, uh, you know, people who were just ordinary peasants, plebs, Joe Public type people, and royalty, and that they, they were against royalty because uh, they, they, you know, almost like they were 17th century socialists or communists and republicans and and that whole thing in, in fact most people misunderstand the covenanters about a whole bunch of stuff because they see them as some kind of uber nationalist group of people that were all about scotland scotland and in fact some of the biggest proponents of the union and unionism between Scotland and England and Ireland and Wales 
were the Covenanters. A lot of them, they were putting forward the ideas for a union before anybody else. And this is the other thing, is that they were not opposed to monarchy. Far from it. What they wanted, and what they sought to get, was that they wanted the king at that time to bow the knee to a higher king. That was all they wanted. They wanted a covenanted king. They, because they had seen, um, with Charles I we're talking about, they'd seen the excesses of the divine right to kings. Or, or divine right to ruler, divine right of kings. Charles thought, Charles I thought that he could do anything and everybody had to obey him. Okay? And the covenanter said, well, you're the king, but you have to bow the knee to Jesus. He has to, has to be a higher king, like King David. David said, the Lord said to my Lord at his right hand, G David acknowledged that the person, capital P, at the right hand of God the Father, thousand years before Jesus walked the earth, was his Lord. And we know today that's, that was Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus. So David understood that he had to be under authority, King David. And the Covenanters merely reminded our, the monarchy back then that you have to covenant with God and be under the same covenant as the people. And so the, well, Charles II, I think, tricked them because he actually, what they said to him as a condition of their support for him coming back after Cromwell and so on, you have to be a you have to sign the covenant, and he did, but he betrayed them and then began to persecute them and then began to kill them when he got on the throne. Now that's a wee history lesson, but why do we say because we, we are Scots and we, we, we are fiercely conscious and, and loyal to that covenanting cause, which means, and this is really what it boils down to in one simple sentence we won't put up with nonsense from the monarchy. We won't put up with a monarch, king or queen, who becomes tyrannical and despotic and tries to uh, pull a fast one over the people, tries to be tyrannical uh, and rule with an iron fist, all of that stuff, and in particular who departs from God's word. Okay, and the Christian faith. So... You know, since the Covenant times, that has been in every Scots heart, I think, every Scots Christian heart, that we demand righteousness from our rulers. And we certainly demand it from our, we demand it from our prime ministers, don't we? And our first ministers and folks, we ain't getting it. We know that. Our politicians are not doing that. They're, they're, they're wretched, many of them. We're not being judgmental, we're just being honest. But we certainly demand it of our sovereigns. And we, we demand it of Queen Elizabeth. And we should. And so, when we pray this prayer every Sunday uh, of intercession at that point in our service, we pray, and what we're actually asking God to do is to keep our rulers on the right course. And a lot of times they stray off that course, and I want to say this to you without apology, the reason they do is we ain't praying enough. Because this is the remedy, the divine remedy, to right a nation that's gone off course. And if you read it, and, and, and let me just say this to you, it's so important. 
when you read the Old Testament and you start to read, uh, you read the first five books, the Pentateuch, the books of the law, that's God shaping a nation. And of course, Moses became the leader of that nation. He was the president of Israel, the prime minister of Israel. Then he handed it on to Joshua and then there were judges. But after the judges, we enter the realm or the, 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 the reign of kings, the time of kings. And then you've got 1st, 2nd Samuel, you've got 1st uh, and 2nd Kings, you've got 1st, 2nd Chronicles, and, and the book is about kingdom from that point on, and kings. Psalms written by King David or Solomon, by kings or for kings, Proverbs written by King Solomon and all that. Then you get the prophets, and very often the prophets were sent to kings. So God has kingdom on his heart. He, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And we are blessed here in Britain, I believe, because we also have a kingdom, a monarchy. We, we're not other nations. And many nations threw off having a king or a queen to become republics and all the, all the stuff, democracies. Let's be honest. We, our greatness comes from this book. But I think a lot of our greatness comes from the fact that we have maintained a monarchy. And like I said, um, some, and next week, Brother David's going to come and speak ab about the biblical origins of our monarchy. And um, you'll be blessed, I'm sure, by that. And so, it's so important for us to understand when we do these things... It's not just, well, that fills up the service. It's not filler for a service. Well, you know, don't, we don't really want to sing five hymns, so we'll just have a prayer here. It's not that. It, we do it because, in many ways, this is the most important part. Because unless we are interceding before God for our nation, then the nation is going to go even further into darkness. So it's so important for us to pray for Britain, to pray for Scotland, to pray for Glasgow. I said it yesterday um, in our gathering uh, meeting that I think a lot of people get fed up, maybe bored or whatever, me banging on about the Glasgow motto. Um, you know, he's not on about the Glasgow motto again. But, but we have the Glasgow motto for a reason. We don't have some stupid phrase that other cities and towns may have. We have a motto that says Glasgow can only prosper and flourish and thrive through the preaching of this book and the praising of his name. Amen. Other cities were founded for different reasons, commerce, mercantile, whatever the reasons, you know, uh, it's a good place to, to build a fort and defend. But Glasgow was built for the gospel and the, pre pre the preaching of the gospel and the praising and worship of the Lord God Almighty. And so we ought to be happy. You know, I, I am uh, uh, different from most of you in that I come from Edinburgh. I, I was born in Edinburgh. So, you know, obviously I'm an Edinburgh aristocracy. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I could say Edinburgh gentry, but believe you me, if you knew where my family came from, you, you, would, you would not. I wasn't allowed to say where we came from when I was a wee boy, what part of Edinburgh. Anyway, but 
But now I'm, I'm a Glaswegian, and you know, there's a pride in that. And the pride isn't, oh well, because Gla I belong to Glasgow. It's because, you know, and it's believed that Mungo was on this very hill, and preaching here and having meetings here. Because the cathedral's a stone throw away. So we have a heritage, folks. Um, and, and it's so vital. So that's why we pray, because we're commanded to. And, you know, I, I encounter it, and I don't like it, and it grieves me, but I have encountered it. Not so much, as I said, most folks accept this, and certainly a lot of churches I've preached in, meetings I've preached in, uh, people have been mainly loyal and royal, but you do get folks. And, you know, you find, and, and this is what I want to show you. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 24. A couple of scriptures, um, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring this to, to a close. Proverbs chapter 24. I think I spoke about this a wee bit last week. I want to get into it a wee bit more depth. Proverbs 24, and, and verse 21 says, My son... Fear thou the Lord. Now, nobody's got a problem with that, do they? Nobody has a problem with that. You, you know, and it's sad to say, I've heard Christians say this, aye, the royal family, they're parasites, man. <laughs> yeah, they just take over taxes and, uh, you know, all that thinking of, Oh, we, we shouldn't have a royal family. We should ha just have elected. Well, look at what the elected officials have been doing of late. Amen? Now, here's the difference that Israel had. Ancient Israel had. When they had a good king, or Judah, should I say, ancient Judah. Israel and Judah. When they had a good king, the land prospered, the people prospered. <coughs> And there was blessing in the land. When they had a bad king, the opposite. So the only difference, the only difference for a nation is if they have a bad head of state or a good one. Simple. If you have a godly one, then, you, then the nation will be blessed because as you will see, a simple reading of scripture is that when the king was a wrong one, the land was cursed. The land fell into judgment. And the people fell into idolatry. But when the king turned to God, and the Bible records that the worst of all kings was a king of Judah called Manasseh. He was the worst of all Judah and Israel kings. But Manasseh's heart in his old age softened and he turned to the Lord and God uh, honoured that. So it's just, you see, it can't be that simple. Surely not. Folks, it is. It's biblical. When the one at the head is a wrong one, then the people will follow. It's that simple. And when the one at the head is, is righteous and godly or, or, or a good one, then the people will follow. And we've even just seen it a wee bit recently in America when Trump was president. Now, Trump wasn't perfect by any means, but at least he honoured Christianity. Okay, and economically and otherwise, in the short period he was president, America prospered and thrived. And now that he's out of the picture and Sleepy Joe's in charge, it's just gone the other way. 
So it's not about, oh, um, what's the best party to vote for? Folks, it's nothing to do with any of that. It's our prayer is for a righteous king or prime minister or first minister or leader of Glasgow City Council. We need good, righteous people in charge. My son, fear thou the king. Sorry, fear thou the Lord and the king. Now, I know a lot of Christians would just stop after the fear thou the Lord because they don't want to talk about the queen. They don't want to talk about the monarchy because to them, all rulers are evil, satanists, occultists, wicked, you know, parasites, all of that. So their solution, quite frankly, is anarchy. But I tell you that right now, anarchy is of the devil. Okay, it's not that we have a king or a queen. It's that, that, you know, it's not that we have a bad leader. And so let's just destroy you know, that office. No, folks, we just need the right leader. Okay, so that's why we pray for our queen and we pray for our prime minister and we pray for Nicola Sturgeon. Why? Because if we pray, then we're being obedient to, the, to... And you know, God can do wondrous things. And he can change the hearts. And even if he doesn't, he can... He can uh, if they, they don't turn to the Lord, he can still do things because we're praying that he couldn't do if we weren't praying. So prayer is so vital. And so is celebration today of the Platinum Jubilee. Yeah, but you don't know... your. Know, and a lot of people will turn around and say, well, the Queen has signed into a law a whole bunch of laws that are against God's word. And that's true. So we're not saying, oh, we pray for the Queen because she's perfect and never put a foot wrong. Folks, we pray for her because we don't want her to put a foot wrong. It's that simple. But people say, ah, you know, she's, uh, she's betrayed this, she's betrayed that. Um... And it's interesting, yesterday we were at that meeting and we were singing the National Anthem and that verse where it says, May she defend our laws. And uh, the, the chap who was leading the meeting said, you know, I'm not saying that we're asking for the Queen to defend the laws that our government have brought in, but to defend the laws of God's word that we are governed by. So, so important. These things are, are vital. Fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. Or do not associate with those who are given to change. Some translations read it like this, don't associate with rebels. Do not associate with rebels. Okay? So if you're against the monarchy, biblically you are a rebel. You have rebellion in your heart. And when you look at that phrase they're given to change, in Hebrew, it's not three words, it's one word. The word is shana. It says, meddle not with the shana. The shana, in Hebrew, here's what it means. People who have mutated, changed inwardly. They still look the same on the outside. They're still as ugly or as good looking as ever. They're still the same people on the outside. How you doing? Oh, no, too bad. But something has changed within and their heart has gone rebellious. They've become mutants. That's literally what the Hebrew means. Okay, and we've seen it. 
with many, many people. Uh, I, I can think of people right now who were once, what I would say, loyal to the monarchy, loyal to you know, patriots, whatever, but they've changed. They've mutated. Because it's not about our... Now, as I said, that tension is there. We're, we're, we're covenanting folks here in Scotland. We don't take nonsense. We don't take, accept wickedness. And we don't accept incompetence from our monarchs. Okay? And many gave their lives. The man whose name is on the street sign at the top of this hill. Mentioned him many times before. James Nesbitt. He was hung because he went to covenant meetings. Not a preacher, not a pastor, not a leader, not a, an agitator. Just a man who sat like you and I are sitting here today and listening to God's word being preached. And because he went to those meetings, covenant meetings, because the covenanter says, we're not going to accept a wicked king. The king must be covenanted to God. The king must be righteous. David said on his deathbed that if you want to rule over men, you have to do so in the fear of the Lord. And, and, and be godly. And the covenanters just demanded that of their monarchs at the time. And folks, we need to demand that as well. We're not necessarily going to do it in person, but we can do it in prayer. And when we look at the picture of the Queen and we pray, we're not praying because we're, you know, tub-thumping, you know, broadies and bully boys and Rangers fans, jingoistic, rule Britannia, all that stuff. We're doing it because we're obeying God's word. And we're patriots. And let me tell you my definition of patriotism. I haven't found a better one. True patriot is somebody who wants God's purpose for the nation and won't back down from that. And if that costs you your life, and let me tell you, thousands died here in Scotland because they wouldn't back down. The graves of covenanters are strewn across this land of Scotland. And because they gave their lives, they shed their blood, you and I have the freedom today to turn around and say, Ah, I'm no bothered with the monarchy. Or, you know, yeah, I'm going to celebrate. Or what. But we're not celebrating for human reasons. We're celebrating because we're celebrating. And we honour. So it says, fear thou the Lord, or have reverence for the Lord and the King, and don't change. Don't meddle with them that are given to change. Okay? Be loyal. Be faithful. We're not loyal and faithful just to a person, Her Majesty or Prince Charlie. Or we're not loyal. We are loyal to the people. But the reason we're loyal to the people is because we're loyal to the throne. And the reason we're loyal to the throne is because we're loyal to God's word. Loyalist in the sense of we're loyal to what God says in his word. And here's what he says. Because you're that's Old Testament. Uh, you know, that, that was the old days. Well, let's look at the new days, which we're in today, the new creation, the, the new covenant. Let's turn to First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, 
And it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, Honour all men. Honour all men. I had someone at the Bible college recently when I read this out, was quite honest and said to me, I've struggled with that because how can you honour all men? Well, it doesn't say respect all men. Because some people don't deserve our respect. Am I right? Respect has to be earned. But honour is in our gift. You honour people, you honour all men, it actually means all people. It's not masculine, it means all people. Um, and you honour all people by giving them the gospel, by praying for them. Every week here we pray for all men, don't we? We pray that the Spirit be poured out in all flesh. Um, and so on, we honour all men. Then it says, love the brotherhood. Okay, love the brethren in the King James. And of course, love the system too. Amen. We, we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Fear God. Well, so far, no Christian would have a problem, would they? Fear God. Oh, yes, amen. But it's not a suggestion, it's a command. But the last one is honour the king. See, we don't honour today the Platinum Jubilee because we're, you know, flag-waving, jingoistic Patriots, we do it because we obey God's word, <coughs> who tells us to honour the king. And well, what if it's a bad king? Doesn't say honour the good kings only. Doesn't say that. And it's so important to understand that when you go, I mean, I used to, I, I studied the 17th century England and Scotland quite a bit back then. And you, you, there was obviously the Civil War in England, there was clashes between the Covenanters and the, the monarchy up here. But in, at no stage did any of them actually dishonour. And if you dishonoured the monarchy, even amongst the ranks of those who were on the parliamentary side or the Covenant side, you, would be, you wouldn't be well thought of, because honour is a different thing. We don't necessarily respect wicked governments, but we honour the office. That's the key thing, folks. Why do we honour the office? Because we want to pray a good person into that office. Imagine living in ancient Israel or Judah and you had a bad king on the throne, but then all of a sudden that king passed away and you got a good one. Okay, now, I don't, I, it's not me to judge Elizabeth II's reign, but from what I can see, there is much good come from it. Amen? But even if there hadn't been that, we still honour the office, the title, the throne, the institution. Amen? Just like we honour, you know, I have a, a prayer that I pray, bring this to a close, folks, that uh, number 10 Downing Street will always be a house of prayer. I don't know that it's a house of prayer today. On the... What's the date? 5th? 5th of June, 2022. But I do know this. If I keep praying and we keep praying, it will be. And that's what we need. We need prayer to go up from number 10. And from Butte House and all the... We need prayer. We need prayer to go up today from 
wherever the Queen is situated. Because if our monarchs aren't praying, if our leaders aren't praying, that's why we pray for them. Amen. Well, uh, I hope that's blessed you. Um, you know, we just have to be realistic about a lot of this. There's a lot of opposition to government in our land. Some of it is justified. Amen. And we're not saying the Queen's perfect, we're not saying Prince Charlie's perfect, and we're certainly not saying Prince Andrew's perfect. Amen. Uh, quite a few of them, but you know, folks, that's why they need for prayer. Amen. Just like you and I need prayer. They need it far more because they have far more responsibilities. Anyway, the Lord bless you. And I hope that's helped.